Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. The Pathways to Excellence for Teaching Professionals is a proposal being developed and worked on by the North Carolina State Board of Education and the Professional Educator Preparation Standards Commission, or PEPC. The model, if approved by the State Board and ultimately enacted by the General Assembly, could change how teachers are licensed and paid. The proposal includes a tiered approach to licensure, starting with apprenticeship and moving based upon a range of measures with options including advanced teacher roles. Here to discuss the proposed changes are Dr. Kathy Spencer, the Executive Director of the Southeast Education Alliance, and Dr. Jeff James, the Superintendent of Iredell Statesville Schools. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. You both teach me so much about what's happening and how we approach our schools. And I wonder if we could kick off with just a brief description about what you're seeing right now. And Kathy, I know you work with many superintendents in the Southeast part of the state. What are they telling you about teachers and staffing this year? In talking with superintendents around staffing, it's a, a kind of a little bit of a mixed bag. We have some districts who have been able to get their certified classrooms staffed and those positions in place. But even in those even in those buildings, we've had difficulty then with the classified positions, right? So it's like a trade-off. Um, we've been out there beating the bushes and recruiting, hoping to get really quality people in classrooms. And sometimes that's um, impacted the support staff that those people need to, um, to really have that high quality environment for all of our students. So I think that um, the urgency to do something is certainly high across all of our districts in Southeastern North Carolina. And at the same time, being thoughtful about what's the systemic answer for the long-term. Kathy, we know that there is a new proposal right now that is going through a process that looks deeply at teacher licensure and pathways. And it does feel very connected to the context with which you just shared. I wonder if you could share a little bit about how people are feeling about this, but also what are some of the different feedback you're getting? When the Pepsi Commission started, they really started pre-COVID, pre all of the immediate need, and their focus was on how do we help build licensure and certification so that we get the very best people um, going into the field, going into the profession, and really impacting instruction and student um, success. Unfortunately, we've been through the past, you know, three to four years of a lot of different things that now we are in a situation where it's not just licensure and the pipeline isn't there. You know, three to four years is a whole pipeline of um, professionals that we had hoped to have that we don't have. When we talk about recruitment and retention, it's very difficult when you don't have a pipeline to recruit from. And part of that is about just the systemic need to lift up the profession of education so that there is a pipeline for uh, superintendents and principals and communities to be able to access high quality professionals. The um, state has now taken that model and said, okay, let's get feedback and let's tweak some things. One of the things that they've added in there to tweak is the compensation model. And um, 
while that wasn't necessarily Pepsi's original piece, it has now become lumped in there. And I think it's created a different type of conversation around the model itself. And that's where I think the sense of urgency sometimes comes is that if we're going to start building a pipeline, we've got to um, recognize that it does come with some compensation pieces that maybe need to be more immediate and not necessarily um, license generated or whatever. Um, that's something that the legislature and the state board and, and others will wanna hear from practitioners about, but I think it's gonna be critical we have two different things here. We have the urgent need that are facing people like Jeff and these school systems right now, whether it's certified, classified, support staff, all of those places have an urgent need for high quality people. But then you also have that systemic piece, right? We know that building respect for a profession and uplifting and getting the right people and the best people into the profession is more of a systemic piece. And so that's something that's going to have to come over time. So I think from a practitioner perspective, we need for our leadership to look at both. Jeff, I know you've thought a lot about this considering your own district, but also how do we look, you know, thinking about others as well. And some things have really shown up as potentially positive and others as potentially concerning. Would you share a little bit about that with us? The first part, Marianne, is the complexity of the document. And just uh, even for us to try to go through it and figure out um, what it means for districts and try to, to sift through it. And I would say that our country wouldn't be where it's at without public education. We're the backbone of the nation we are. And I can just tell you from our own district, if you want to start putting up scores from charter schools and other school districts, other schools that operate within our district, we, uh, we outperform them hands down. So it's a good bang for your buck. And anytime we start diluting the pool, we're not getting a good end result. Um, and so what concerns me is there is an urgency and, and I'll use a biblical term, the ox is in the ditch. Uh, I think it's been in the ditch and we as educators saw it coming, but nobody would listen. Kathy mentioned it. We had teaching fellowship programs or teaching fellows that you could go to any state university, your degree was paid for. And let's say, Marianne, if, if I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I went and got a four-year degree in teaching, after three years decided I, I really didn't like teaching, I had a four-year degree that if I worked in an at-risk school, my degree was paid for. So we eliminated the 10% for master's pay. And that's one of the reasons I really didn't get in this to be administrator. I was a classroom teacher that needed the 10% for my MSA, Kathy. And then I was going to get my national boards and that would be 12%. So I figured at that point at 62, $63,000, I could probably do this for a living and not have to take a second job. A couple concerns I have with the new model is how much are districts going to have to put up? You guys remember the BT model. When I come through the system, I had a mentor that got paid $100 to $150 a month. And I would say it was well worth it for me as a teacher because I used him a lot. Uh, he become a colleague and a men and he was a great mentor. And then we decided to throw that out. Uh, so my board has actually asked me to do a, 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 ref a resolution about all the things we've lost as educators. So in here, there are several places it mentions, you know, the school system or district can set a stipend. Well, 
we know that our state has three different economic tiers. What I can do here in a tier three is not what a tier one can do. And my whole, my whole concern that, that we've talked about before is equity. And it's, you know, I can't compete with the Wake County. I don't have the economic base. So I do appreciate that the, the uh, General Assembly set aside 130 some odd million dollars this year for 95 counties to, to add to their supplement or their stipend. So it has let us start closing some of those inequitable gaps we have when competing among counties. Um, but I think, you know, looking through here, I honestly think if we could bump the license one to 45,000, we could attract young people to go back into education. But the other narrative has to be, and the, the numbers are out there on charter schools now, they do not outperform public schools. You can always pick and choose. You can cherry pick uh, examples of good and bad. And I will just tell you that anytime that you have economies of scale, you, you can drive a lot larger force and accomplish a lot more than when you start siloing everything. And I'm afraid that, that as we silo education, we're gonna find ourselves uh, in a very peculiar position, not being an economic world leader. Uh, my community, we're growing by leaps and bounds with uh, businesses. And they're very concerned about the quality of student that comes out the other end for their factory. And I can't do that without highly qualified teachers in the classroom. So if you wanna see test results go up and our performance as a school system go up, there's one thing to do and that's invest in the people that teach your kids. Um, and, and here guys, we, we've even started offering free childcare for our zero to five year, well, it's for anybody really, but we're trying to attract those younger teachers Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. After the break, we'll continue this excellent discussion. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. Welcome back. We are once again joined by Dr. Kathy Spencer and Dr. Jeff James to discuss the pathways to excellence for teaching professionals. What I'm hearing from both of you is there are some important aspects that are included in this model. Whether or not we need to wait for the model is a question, especially master's pay, obviously keeping the national board um, pay, but also what are we gonna do right now? Um, one other aspect I'd like to just ask a little bit about is this notion of the apprentice model. You both referenced it a little bit, and I want to know if that's something you've both talked a little bit about. Is there anything you'd like to share about that model or some of those higher level teachers on this new licensure proposal? Um, actually just met with superintendents in the Southeast region, and we had a great conversation around, okay, um, because we have such... Um, limited classified staff, right? Normally that that apprentice model would be something we would go to with our existing teacher assistants and say, hey, you know, do you have an interest? Would you, you know, we can help you, we'll support you in this. Well, the challenge that they're facing is that those are the positions in some districts that are still open. They can't even find teacher assistants. So now it's like, how do we recruit people into that teacher assistance role so that we will have apprentice type folks that we can build up and um, be able to utilize. And so one of our messages was maybe we could run pilots of um, people and the way to get them into that classified role is to say, hey, come into this role, we'll help you get 
the four-year degree, right? So it's almost like we are going to help own that. So we'll help get some um, grant money to pay for the cost of you getting the extra two years, right, that you would need beyond that uh, associates. We'll get some uh, grants. We'll find some sponsorships. We'll get the IAG to come to us so you don't have to travel. You know, all of those kinds of things that would weigh on their mind if they yeah. were a teacher assistant trying to access it. So the, the superintendents and the districts are looking for all kinds of ways for the immediate response, I think, Marianne. We're, we're trying to fix right now at the district levels those immediate needs. If we don't get some of these um, classified support people in our classrooms, there's a great concern that our existing teachers are going to become so overwhelmed in the work without any support staff. You know, think about the kindergarten through second grade classroom who has no teacher assistant, has a brand new teacher or a residency teacher in that classroom trying to manage all of that without the background and training, how long will we be able to keep them in those roles? So, I mean, it starts becoming this snowball if we don't figure out some strategies. So we're even looking at how do we help get people into the apprentice pipeline, you know, that are going to be quality people. And I will tell you, there's always great concern when you start bringing people in who haven't been traditionally prepared there's always concern about what is the impact to the educational um, service that students are getting. You know, that kindergarten teacher or kindergarten student only gets kindergarten that one year. Right. And if it's not with a high level staff member, then what have we done for them sending them into first grade? There's a lot of concern around this for the immediate. And yet at the same time, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you superintendents and district level folks are very concerned that we not throw everything into the immediate at the sacrifice of the long-term impacts, right? What is the long-term that we're looking for to elevate North Carolina to the top of education? We've been there before. We know that we can do this, right? We have the people, the the passion, all of those things are present in North Carolina. We've got to figure out how to get that back. Um, And Kathy, I would remind you, we have the resources. We had a huge surplus this year, at least $6.5 billion. Um, We do have the resources here. And so I think when you remind us of all the assets we have, that's one of them too. So I really appreciate that. Jeff, I do want to give you a minute as well to talk through some of the things that you'd like to lift up specifically about this, um, the draft. Well, I like the draft. We actually were fortunate enough to get the teacher school leadership grant. So we have a program called TAs to Teachers. But as Kathy just said, we robbed about eight to 10 TAs out of classrooms to make them teachers. So we also threw this in the mix. And and the board asked me to do this. And and I totally am on board with it, uh, to use a pun but we're paying $1,000 for lateral entry people. So if you're out there with a four-year degree and you're wanting to come into education, and I'm, I was one of those lateral entry people, uh, we're paying $1,000 a year, up to $1,000 a year for them to go back and get the classes needed to become educators. So uh, Kathy's dead on. Uh, it didn't take us overnight to get here. We, we saw this as educators 10 years ago when we stopped investing at the same rate 
that we were prior in education. People will talk about the overall school funding, but let's let's put it in per pupil expenditures. That that's what matters, and and we did see a dip in that uh, for several years. And just this again, vilification or whatever that public school is not great. We need to look at charters, vouchers, and you hit uh, you hit it, Marianne, dead on. Uh, the Leandro has been going on 27 years. So so here's my thing. Uh, one one thing that I pride myself on is I took an oath of office to uphold the laws of the land. The North Carolina Constitution says we will provide every child a sound basic education. We have defined that after 27 years, what it means. So if we're not, then help us accomplish that goal. And we're not doing it by offering vouchers, offering charter schools. None of that is proven. We have to figure out ways to attract people back in. Teacher cadet program is part of the TSL grant. So we'll get students experienced uh, becoming teachers. And... Um, you know, here's what I tell my people. We're our best uh, public forum. You're in your church. Tell people how great education is. Tell them why their child should be a teacher. It's a calling. Uh, and definitely for teachers, they're not in the classroom, most of them for the paycheck, especially working two jobs. I would just love your advice for decision makers. So we know many of them in North Carolina are at the state level, and that dramatically affects what happens in our local schools. So what are your, what's your one biggest piece of advice? Stop calling education a cost. It's an investment. It's an investment in the future of our state. And our education system uh, is the reason our state is growing economically at the rate it's growing. You keep messing with it or not funding it, then I, I'm afraid that 10 years from now, as Kathy is saying, we're going to see even more drastic impacts as industries lead North Carolina. They have to have qualified workers in their plants, in their retail establishments to do the job. Consider the fact that you have a five-year-old entering a North Carolina school tomorrow. What would you want for your five-year-old? And what you want for your five-year-old should be what we want for every five-year-old who walks into any school in the state of North Carolina. And if you're not sure what that looks like, go to the school, go to your district, be connected and hear them. They will tell you the kinds of things that they need. Well, I want to thank you both so much. You have touched on so many important topics, including the new draft pathways to licensure for teachers. Um, anyone watching sees why we wanted both of you here to talk about it. You all give me hope but you also paint the realistic picture of what we have to do and what's at stake. So I just can't thank you enough for, for being here today. And after the break, this week's final word. It's no secret that well-prepared effective teachers are invaluable in the classroom. Research shows us that teachers are the number one school-related factor that impacts student outcomes. You have probably heard about the rise in teacher and staff vacancies across North Carolina and the challenges we are facing with recruiting and retaining a highly qualified, well-prepared and diverse teaching workforce. There are many factors contributing to the shortage and it is important to note that the shortage and decrease in the teacher pipeline did not begin with the pandemic. All of this makes the ways in which we recruit and retain teachers more important than ever. One aspect of becoming a teacher is earning a license in the state in which you will teach. 
Over the past year, the Professional Educator Preparation and Standards Commission, an advising body of the State Board of Education, has worked to develop a new teacher licensure system for North Carolina in the form of the North Carolina Pathways to Excellence for Teaching Professionals draft model. This draft model, if implemented, would impact how North Carolina teachers are licensed, evaluated, and paid, and has garnered much interest from North Carolina's education community. This model has several components that are different from the state's current licensure system, including an apprenticeship option, new entry points for the profession, peer review and mentoring responsibilities for master teachers, and advanced teaching roles. Over the summer, the Public School Forum of North Carolina hosted seven focus groups with school and district leaders, school board members, and educator preparation programs to gather their input on the proposed plan. Well over 120 participants from nearly 60 counties and 15 colleges and universities shared ideas that they liked about the plan, including increases in teacher pay, the apprenticeship option, the advanced teaching roles, and the potential for multiple measures of teacher effectiveness. They also shared challenges and concerns they had about the plan, including the complexity of the model, the additional workload for district and school leaders and more experienced teachers, and concerns about some of the proposed metrics that could be used for teacher licensure in the future. They were asked how they would address these challenges and concerns in a revised version of the draft and suggested several things, including a simpler approach, piloting of the model, compensation increases separate from licensure, additional pay for teachers taking on additional responsibilities like peer observations, and human resources at the school, district, and educator preparation programs to support the new system. What was clear from all of these perspectives is that for any licensure and compensation model to be successful, a vital component must be respect for teachers and the teaching profession. Respect for teachers' time and expertise, was a clear non-negotiable. So we ask ourselves, what does respect look like? According to education stakeholders we spoke with, a key element is offering opportunities for career advancement while enabling teachers to remain in the classroom. Demonstrating respect to our teachers also requires being mindful of their time. Teaching encompasses many different roles and responsibilities beyond instruction. And it is important that we maintain realistic expectations for teachers and provide space for their capacity to plan, teach, and mentor peers. While different from licensure itself, the draft model also incorporates compensation changes primarily based upon a competency-based model. With North Carolina falling from ranking 33rd in teacher pay nationally in 2019-2020 to 38th in 2020-21, it is clear that compensation for educators in North Carolina is well below the national average by over $10,000. Beginning teacher pay in North Carolina is only $37,000. Compensation is one of many factors that may influence whether someone becomes a teacher and whether they stay in the field. As the State Board of Education, PEPC, and ultimately the General Assembly move forward, we urge each to take these points, along with the many others brought up by the education community, into account when considering the new teacher licensure pathways model. We have what can be an exciting opportunity here to both improve our state's teacher pipeline and teacher retention rate. And we encourage the ongoing collaboration with educators to make these improvements. We certainly appreciate the efforts made to garner input and hope that they will continue. 
We hear again and again from teachers directly and through research that educators want respect for their time, their experience, and their expertise. This includes adequate pay and a deep appreciation for the complex work of teaching. At the end of the day, our teachers are the number one school-related factor that impacts student outcomes, and we need to show them that we deeply understand the important role they play. Thank you for taking time with us to think and learn about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.